Hello and welcome to the FT Advisor four-part podcast series on ESG investing, brought to you by Royal London. This episode of the podcast looks at how regulatory changes may affect advisor demand for responsible and sustainable investment funds in the future. I'm David Thorpe, Special Projects Editor at FT Advisor. To examine the regulatory environment and its impact on the responsible investing universe, I am joined today by Ryan Medlock, Senior Investment Development and Technical Manager at Royal London, and Steve Kenny, Commercial Director at Square Mile Research. Thank you both for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, Ryan, um, how have regulatory changes impacted the responsible investing universe in, in recent years? Well, I think that's the first point to make is that, that there has been an absolute raft of regulations proposed over the last couple of years. I mean, if you, if you think about 2018 as a year alone, I think there was actually something like over 170 ESG-related regulatory measures proposed globally. And I think that kind of that sort of signals the, the scale of change in this particular area. And a, a lot of these regulations uh, are coming out at an EU level. And I think there's some really, really good proposals coming out at the EU level. And I think it's certainly leaving a lot of markets like the US and Australia playing a bit of catch up when it comes to responsible investment. And central to the EU's plan is this sustainable finance action plan. And there's a number of recommendations within that action plan. Uh, the taxonomy, so the EUI taxonomy being the number one recommendation. And you know, that's a, a classification system for economic activities that meet environmental objectives. And I think that is going to massively improve uh, disclosure and transparency and also combat greenwashing to an extent. And you know, we, we might come back to the taxonomy later, but another of the recommendations from that finance action plan is to disclosure regulations. I think they're going to be very important. Obviously, increased disclosure will invariably lead to scoring ESG funds. Uh, and that opens up certain challenges. For example, it's, it's, it's much easier to score funds which are negatively screening sectors or companies as opposed to uh, you know scoring funds which actively engage so there's some considerations there but I mean back to the the, the the big regulatory drivers obviously we know sustainability risk is to be integrated into a number of regulatory directives uh, the MIFID 2 amendment being one of those obviously that is the big one as far as advisors are concerned and this proposed amendment to article 25 around the suitability assessment and I think that as a regulatory driver is really going to bring ESG investing into the heart of the financial advice process. Closer to home, obviously, we, we, we know there's been a number of changes in the UK over the last six months or so. We had new rules from the DWP. So they were aimed at trustees of occupational pension schemes around updating statements of investment principles. Uh, we've had new rules come out from the FCA uh, in April. So they were aimed at independent governance committees and IGCs now have to report on their firm's ESG policies. And for me, I think it's really, really interesting that both law and regulation now accept that ESG factors are financially material to future returns. And I think this has somewhat triggered a bit of a shift in mindset over the last couple of years. Thank you, Steve. We've also had on the um, at, at the advisor level uh, some regulatory changes around uh, advisors' uh, suitability assessments and the conversation that they have with that end client and where ESG fit, fits into that. Um, is how an advisor views ESG changing as a result of those requirements? The advisor level is now starting to get grips of what ESG is. I, st I still think the vast majority of advisors 
have a high degree of confusion about ESG. I, I don't think the market, per se, in terms of the asset management community is helping that um, because people still use ESG along with the other jargon in the industry in almost like interchangeable verbs. And they are very distinct in terms of what they mean and how, how they should be interpreted. So I, I, I think definitely, you know, the interactions we've had with RFAs where ESG is very much part of their focus at the moment and what they're wrestling with is how do they bring it into their investment process. But the other thing that, that there is also a degree of concern from their part because they're not really comfortable with what it is and therefore there's a sort of reticence to start talking to clients about a subject matter that they themselves aren't really comfortable with for fear that they either mislead or misguide the client in this area. So in answer to your question, it is definitely becoming more and more front of mind, but there is just a degree of concern at the RFA level because they need to get a better understanding of what it means and how it will play out in terms of investment. Thank you. And Steve, do you feel that uh, the obligations on an advisor uh, from the regulators are likely to change in, in the years to come in, in, in this area uh, around topics such as suitability, for example? I think the fact that they're going to have to build it into their advice process is going to necessitate them having that discussion. But that comes back to my first point. They need to get comfortable with what this means and how to engage with a client on these subject matters to actually have a proper conversation. You know, one of the reasons I think that responsible investing hasn't been as popular as it should be, in all honesty, is by a reticence of the advisor community to discuss it. And I think it hasn't been necessitated up until recently with the forthcoming regulation. And there's been that classic view from the advisor that going down this route brings with, with it a headwind of performance. And what we've seen in recent times is, in all honesty, going down this route actually ends up producing a tailwind in terms of performance. So some of the old urban myths that have surrounded this area in the market have started to dispel. But again, I think, you know, there is a real challenge for us all to go on a sort of education promotion about this subject matter to enable advisors to feel comfortable with clients. And then I think the great sort of um, opportunity that we all believe is there will really come to fruition in this space. Thank you. Uh, Ryan, from, from your point of view and, and as a provider in the market, um, how do you think the regulatory outlook will, will change in, in years to come and, and what that would mean for uh, responsible investment uh, products? Well, I think the, the proposals and changes that we've had so far, I, I, I think, highlight a very clear signal of intention. And I think what we're seeing from both regulators and policymakers is using ESG investing and responsible investment in general to sort of re-inject a, a long-term focus back into investment activity. And, you know, that, that, that can only be a good thing from my perspective. You've obviously got massive ESG megatrends, uh, you know, likes of climate change and, and, and whatnot. They're not going to disappear overnight. Um, so it's unlikely that, you know, that the regulatory outlook that we have now is going to change. And 
I think it's certainly the case that we are likely to see more regulations being introduced in the coming years, and we're going to see wider adoption of different responsible investment techniques and approaches. Thank you. But Ryan, are you worried that with the economic situation now now tougher and a great deal of un- uncertainty in the world, that uh, policymakers may push uh, those responsible investment priorities further down their to-do list and that companies um, out there in the marketplace who in recent years have uh, have embraced this space at least somewhat or at least notionally may discover that they've got you know, other priorities in a deep recession? Uh, first and foremost, you know, we, we, we sort of have to be mindful about the fact that we are facing a deep recession and the threat that this poses. And I think we as an industry have to acknowledge this threat. I think it's very likely that ESG investing may have to take more of a muted backseat over the short term whilst the economy gets back on its feet. But I, I don't think that necessarily means that it gets pushed down the list of priorities. I think, if anything, it may actually push it further up the priorities because, you know, if you combine the impact of COVID and its economic consequences, that to an extent has put certain vulnerabilities under the microscope. And if you think about it, part of ESG investing in general is to address some of these vulnerabilities. And I think COVID has genuinely exposed a real lack of preparedness from both businesses and the wider society to an extent. And obviously, ESG investing can, can help address this. So I, I think it is going to remain a key priority for policymakers going forward. Thank you. Uh, Steve, uh, as somebody who communicates regularly with advisors on the ground, do you think that perhaps um, the changed business climate might mean that they have to reappraise how they, how they look at responsible investment uh, funds and products and how they build that into their product offering? I think certainly... I, I, I would concur with what Ryan said. I do think that there may be an, an initial um, perspective that this might be slightly on the back, back foot. But I think the real, what we're hearing from IFAs is their interest from clients has never been as strong. And, you know, we're being asked more and more to assist IFAs in terms of providing governance around responsible um, fund panels, responsible managed portfolio services. So the, the demand is definitely there. And I, I also think in the general media, in the sort of national press, the coverage that these types of vehicles are getting has brought them to the attention of the general public, which I think is a really positive thing. So they're actually going into their advisor's office and asking about this. Whereas before, I think it had only been a select few that had been raising that subject. So and the sort of final point is the asset management community, because they can see this regulation coming, are actually preparing funds that will meet the new demand. And you can see that not only from the, the likes of Royal London, Fidelity, BlackRock, etc. The whole market is starting to um, deliver vehicles that have responsible, sustainable impact goals within their investment objective so you're actually starting to get more awareness and that in itself will become almost self-fulfilling thank you steve that's great um ryan what are the areas that you think will be the focus of regulators thoughts in the in the years to come do do advisors looking at this have a kind of runway 
that they can look down to, to see what, what will happen in the future? Yeah, I think they do to an extent. I mean, we already have a, a, a very good indication of what's coming from an EU angle. Uh, you can see the focus there is very much on improving disclosure and transparency. And I mentioned earlier about the, the, the taxonomy. Um, I think that's going to be a huge, huge driver there in, in improving disclosure. Um, you know, ultimately, as an advisor, um, you'll be able to look at certain funds and you'll be able to see what proportion of that fund invests in taxonomy eligible activities, for example. So that's going to massively improve uh, transparency there. Uh, it's also going to be extended to cover social and governance issues as well, uh, very much focused on the environmental side at the moment. So that's a big driver. Um, I think as well, there's, there's, there's plenty of issues from an advisor perspective that continue to persist with ESG data in general. So I'm talking about, you know, whether that's the reliability, the depth, consistency of data. I think it's going to be really, really interesting to see what type of measures are going to be introduced to improve the standards of reporting going, going forward. Um, you've got the TCFD, the Task Force for Climate Related Financial Disclosures. That could have a really big impact here in terms of setting standards for financial companies to disclose and uh, whether these ultimately become mandatory measures. So you can see from a, from a high level perspective, the, the, the big ticket themes that I think are going to be focused on in a couple of years. And it's going to be interesting how that gets um, filtered down into uh, the various chains underneath it. Thank you. Steve, from your point of view, you've mentioned earlier the um, advisors sort of uh, questioning around what these different terms mean, sustainable, responsible, ESG, etc. Is that an area that you think perhaps um, regulatory spotlight could shine on and, uh, and give some clarity on in future? Um, I think I think it could, but you, you, you know the Investment Association I think have made a pretty good um, attempt at trying to introduce a common framework of language that the industry could utilise in describing either responsible or sustainable or impact. So we have consistency of definition, um, and I think that if that comes to be adopted by the asset managers. That will help because I think then everybody will be talking the same language, the marketing material will be using the same type of terminology, which I think will also help the end advisor because they'll feel comfortable in talking about this investment opportunity in the knowledge that there is this consistency of terminology. Uh, I think that the, the point that Ryan makes is really interesting about data because I think that's going to be one of the big challenges facing this because I think there is a real sense of um, positivity about the advent of responsible investing, but it's going to be that consistency of data that allows advisors to compare and contrast different funds and have a meaningful conversation with their clients to ensure that they understand the type of vehicle they're investing in. So, I, you know, I think the regulator could play a part, but I think the industry has already made some steps to try and get commonality of language. Thank you. And Ryan, the general theme, I guess, of of, uh, of your remarks so far is that really the regulatory environment has provided lots of clarity and lots of help and a, a great boost uh, to mm -hmm. the responsible investing universe. But are there areas of the market and sectors within ESG, sustainable investing, etc., that that you kind of want to avoid due to the regulatory outlook. Well, I wouldn't say there's any 
particular areas that you, you would say you would avoid due to a regulatory outlook? Uh, I mean, within the, the broader term of responsible investment, and obviously Steve just went over some of the, the key approaches there, which were outlined in the, in, in the Investment Association's framework, which I must add to as well is, is an excellent read, and I definitely encourage everyone to, to take a look through that. Um, but obviously, there's, there's a lot of different approaches applied in there. And, you know, even when you, you drill it down and look specifically at ESG integration, there isn't really a, a one size fits all to all of this. I think there's lots of pros and cons with each approach. And you can really drill that down into a granular level. Um, I mean, if you take exclusions as a responsible investment approach in, in its own right, um, you know, you could argue that exclusions as a, as a sole responsible investment approach is perhaps too simple. I mean, there's, there's no doubt that, you know, it's the purest way of avoiding something. But you could argue that by just focusing on exclusions, you're, you know, you're sort of ignoring the issue and shifting the issue elsewhere. And it also obviously reduces the investable universe for the, for the manager as well. So, you know, you could, t- you could take a look at exclusions in its own right. And you could say, well, perhaps you can make it more purposeful if you combine it with another approach, say positive engagement, for an example. So I think that the, the responsible investment universe is littered with examples like that. Um, but I wouldn't say, say there's, there's specifically areas that you would look to avoid due to the regulatory outlook. Thank you. Steve, from your point of view, from the conversations you have with, with advisors, are they, are they starting to... Um identify which bits of the responsible investment universe they they want to be uh, putting clients into and perhaps those that they they want to avoid or those that they're uncertain about due to the broader regulatory uh, world in which we live I, I think it comes down to the personal preferences of the clients you know I had a really interesting conversation with an advisor the other day and he was talking about how you know what a good position we're in in terms of responsibly becoming so popular in terms of the media and all that we said one of the things he was really keen on is that we didn't have this situation where we effectively took saw capital not deployed to some of the industries that need to be changed and a bit of the point that ryan was picking on i think is a really important one by having capital within a business you have the ability to influence and he was really keen that he didn't, we, we didn't see a rise, a wholesale rise in terms of exclusion style investing because he felt the opportunity was more pronounced for the asset management community to instigate change in business for a positive nature. And, you know, he was, all, he was actually suggesting we almost had like a, a, a funds launch that were investing in areas that needed the most change almost like, I suppose, the green funds, brown funds, and you're actually looking to invest in businesses where there was the most significant degree of change required and utilizing your capital in that context. So I think that, so I don't think people are looking to exclude any style of investing, but it depends on the client's preferences when they walk through the door, because some of these issues are really personal to the individual investor. Okay, sure. Thank you, Steve. That's that's very interesting. Um, and Steve and Ryan, thank you very much for joining us today on the podcast. Enjoy the rest of your day and uh, tune in next time for the next edition in our special series of podcasts on responsible investing. Thank you. 
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.